So hello everyone and welcome to this week's podcast, Start Somewhere for Marie Claire with me, Sarah Vaughan. And this week I'm delighted to welcome my, well, dear friend <laughs> and colleague to some extent, uh, Ava von Amsblad, who's the Executive Director and Secretary General of the Fashion Pact and Executive Director of Fashion at Imagine. Welcome Ava, it's lovely, lovely to have you on. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm really looking forward to talking to you. Yeah, and we're really grateful because, as you can tell from her, 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 her job title, Ava is a very, very busy woman. <laughs> so we've been delighted she could fit this in. <laughs> so, my love, as you know, with this podcast, we always ask, like, how did you get started out in life? I mean, was, was like fashion a, a kind of burning passion from you, <laughs> you know, like when you were very small? <laughs> And I think the very straight answer to that question is no, absolutely not, um, <laughs> uh, which is probably not what I'm supposed to say here. But I, I mean, I come uh, from a very different background, so to speak. Right. So I grew up in Munich in Germany, um, which is a very nature based uh, town and city. Um, mm. I was surrounded my whole life by architects much more than anyone in the family. Wow. Um, and 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 entrepreneurs in that way, and so um, no fashion was not in my agenda for quite some time, to be honest. And even once I changed into fashion, it wasn't really clear to me um, what exactly I can help and what exactly I can do there. But um, uh, it it comes clear quite quickly um, uh, in in my career um, that this is actually my passion and and my my aim to do in that sense yeah yeah and, and how beautiful I mean like spending all this time in nature and the I mean Munich is absolutely stunning so you know I guess you were doing a lot of walking and hiking and, and maybe skiing and all sorts absolutely I mean that's how you grow up right um, I grew up basically half of my time on the countryside half of the time in the big city Munich which is fairly small still and you know you grow you grow up with nature with mountains of skiing with you know um as a child, you have a very natural, uh, um, natural way of, you know, going outside and building dams and building, I don't know, wood houses and stuff like that. So very, very close to nature, but it seemed to me also natural and normal. And, and you know, there was nothing that um, that was exceptional or anything. It was just the way it was. There must have been some very impressive wood houses going on in your family. <laughs> they were all architects, is all I can say. It's true, it's true. But that also probably was the first inside in my career that was clear that I'm not going to be an architect because my wood houses definitely didn't compete with anyone's. So it was very clear that I have two left hands when it comes to architecture in that sense. So, and that, that was a good process of elimination, basically, yes. <laughs> You know, what did you decide to study then? And, 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 and you know, if, if, if it wasn't architecture. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, that's actually exactly. So a lot of people I was surrounded by knew from very early age what exactly they wanted to do. Um, they had, you know, this incredible talents in art and, you know, uh, art and math, for example. And then they were, you know, asked or deemed to go into architecture and things. For me, honestly, I didn't really know what to do. There was no, um, it was really hard to find out what it is that I want to do in life. And so I think I really just started by um, looking into different things. So I um, 
I moved quite quickly away from Munich after school and moved to Italy and spent uh, all my studies in in, Mil- in mm. Milan um, doing international business there, right? And um, got a little bit of obviously the fashion world in Italy as well. But unconsciously, I didn't really realize that back then, but also obviously the business world, which um, was very fascinating at the time for me because I really believed in this business as a force for change and that you... Uh, coming from this entrepreneurial background, as I just said, that there's so much you can do with business um, and and business is much more than just a company or a holding, right? It can really change things, how things are done and how industries are working. And so um, that's where I was going for. So business in it- Italy, um, unconsciously influenced by fashion, I guess, without <laughs> knowing but then going again a very um, different path and going into strategy consultancy uh, for quite some time. Uh, but this time actually focusing on engineered products and high tech. So I think that was when I was the farthest away from fashion in my life. Wow, <laughs> uh, wow I did not know that. I mean, I, you know, I started my life as in strategy consulting too, because I didn't, I really didn't know what I wanted to do and I wanted to keep all my options. So. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, engineer product and high tech. Um, so, you know, very complicated processes, complicated products, oh complicated supply chains. My, my uh, head's aching just even. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, fascinating as such, but then um, uh, really focusing on that. And that was just, I mean, a way how you, you how it works in life, right? You meet a very good mentor in a company who has great advices, who kind of takes you by the hand and helps you to do things. And that's what I had as well um, back, back, uh, back in my company, a very fascinating man who um, had a vision for um, these engineered products to be more sustainable, basically going into wind power and all of these projects. So I did a lot of projects um, in that area and, you know, starting to get a feel about what it could be how 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 it could be different for business to do different things um especially because i also came uh, into a certain department which was focused on restructuring so it was a lot about uh doing turnarounds of companies laying off people getting business more efficient yeah and then you know having done that a lot of time just you know looking at excel sheets and looking how many ftes should be here or there in order to help the company from going bankrupt basically you start somehow after um, some time to wonder what's the purpose of that yes of course you do save the company which is great because otherwise everyone would have no job but if you um, is there not more can these companies not just be more than just profit oriented and I think this combination really made me think about what the purpose in life is and what I actually want to do yeah, I, 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 I had a very similar moment actually with exactly the same spreadsheets. And I'm kind of looking at like two and a half FTEs. And I mean, effectively, for those of you who don't know, it's like a full time employee. And I'm looking at these going, but these are human beings. You know, these are, you know, this, you know, on a spreadsheet is so clinical, but these are people who have gifts, who have families. And, and I really, I, I, at that point, I, I I personally became very allergic and, and I had yeah, to, to, I to leave. I mean, you can always tell yourself, and which is true, right? You turn around a company, you save it from not existing anymore at all. 
sure. But still, just what I didn't like is this handling of, you know, as you say, you know, mere figures, but actually these decisions that you do have wide-reaching consequences on human beings and lives. Yeah. Um, and it felt that even the job was too far away from human beings in that sense, so you didn't really get to... Um, get to meet them and get to help them in that sense. Um, so um, I think that was definitely, I mean, I did that for a very long time. I think, you know, after some time, the feeling where you feel like, I, I don't know if I want to spend my life doing this, um, not knowing really what the purpose of it is and and how you can make ends meet. So what was the next step after, after, after that? Yes. Um, I think there was one very precise project that we did for, um, It was the federal printing company in Germany where um, it's a state-owned company and they had a lot of layoff rounds and there was a lot of social frustration um, within the employees and they started to, you know, um, wanting to understand what the employees really thinking. And so I decided back then as the project manager to take a completely different approach and we decided to actually draw images and uh, um, comics of the situation in this company to show this management what actually the feelings are of their employees and how they perceive it and how it actually is and how reality and perception are not aligned in this case. And there was so much beauty in this and actually come bringing in the human beings and the stories of these employees rather than having FTEs and, you know, saying, you know, turning around this company, but really talking about the the, 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 the humans behind that case. And so um, I think that was the moment where I said, okay, there's more to do because mm-hmm. these companies actually do need to be a force for good because if they don't manage to be forces for good, they also don't manage to retain their talents and, you know, keep their keep their employees. And um, so I decided after, quite shortly after that project to actually have my way into sustainability, um, but always from the conviction that, as I said from the beginning, that business is the power for good. Yeah. So um, I was always convinced that philanthropy is a great thing to do. And I've been very much engaged all my life in very different ways of philanthropy. But if you want to do something that is more long-term and strategic, that doesn't end when funding ends, business is the solution to this. If you manage to actually change companies to turn around and be really forces for good, this is a long lasting change that you can have. Yeah, I, I, I so agree. And it, it seems like, you know, so does everyone else, you know, because I think the Edelman Trust Barometer, the most recent one has, has, has obviously, you know, put government trust and, and, and trust in the media at a very kind of low ebb, but actually trust in corporates has, has, has actually gone up because mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's very clear that corporates have been or some corporates, shall yeah. I say, you know, really have been leading the way through through this time of climate change and, and the health crisis. Well, I have to say, back in the days when I made this decision, I think everyone looked at me a little bit like, she must be crazy, right? Why would you need that job to do something where she says there's a business case or there's something to do, but, you know, no one back in the day even knew what sustainability is. There was no sustainability teams. There was no, I remember having a conversation actually where someone told me, 
you don't need to think that ever you're going to be, you know, I don't know, a manager of sustainability in a company or, you know, any, there's no position wow. in that. Wow. And I said, okay. <laughs> so I think everyone kind of wrote me off already as a charity project for life, right? <laughs> so she needs to kind of like get through this in a way. Um, and, then I, <laughs> yes. and then, as you said, you know, so much has happened since then. And uh, it's amazing to see. I know I'm a very impatient person, but if you actually just take that period of time and look in hindsight, it's amazing where we are now compared to where we've been 20 years ago. Yeah. And um, and that really gives hope, right? And I think that really gives um, gives a lot of um, inspiration that we do can change if we need to. And we do need to. I mean, that's very clear. I mean, the, the planetary boundaries and the earth tells us very clearly where the limits are. And we're coming to these limits, not within as we thought back then, the next generation or even the one after that or even after that it's in our lifetime and it's even within the next decade so there is an urgency to act and so we really need to change now and that I think has become very clear I couldn't agree more and very well said um so there you are you're making this career career maneuver how did how did you start learning about sustainability and 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 how, how did you come to kind of find your next role so I started to really, from an educational side, said, like, where do I start? And I really wanted to, you know, understand more what sustainability is about, because, again, sustainability is a topic which is, a, I think, a non-word in that sense, because it means everything and nothing. Yeah. And back then, so what for a business does sustainability mean, right? So I started to actually do an executive education um, uh, in, in Paris at the HSC uh, on sustainability and started to understand more about how different companies could be more sustainable. It was more like a showcase of different examples, how companies dealt with the issue and what they're doing today, what they don't do yet, um, um, which was really a great experience being back as a student uh, at, at a quite you know uh, uh, advanced stage of the career. But you really get the feeling that you... You you you're exposed to too many so many experiences and so many business cases that you learned a lot from these um, from these showcases and then right after that actually the the original plan was to go back to strategy consulting and basically revolutionize the strategy consulting sector and tell them that now you know sustainability is what we need to do and not restructuring basically <laughs> but it came quite clear to me that you know it wasn't it wasn't the moment for this because it was just not the business model that people were spending money for sustainability mm. and that you could sell consultant services um for these kind of projects and so i was approached by um jochen zeitz at the time who came up with the idea um, to uh, hire me for a fashion company. And it was like, fashion? <laughs> I mean, I love fashion, that's for sure, but I'm here on a straight mission, right? To save the planet. Is fashion the right way to save the planet? And I really wasn't sure at the beginning, you know, I pictured myself in one of the big, I don't know, oil companies and turn them around to renewable companies or, you know, do something of, of that caliber. But um, but the more I digged into it, and that's what I was referring to before, it came so clear to me that the role of the fashion industry, even though being a fairly small industry, 
has such a power for influence and change that it's so vital to get that as a pioneering industry out there to really transform. And um, um, ever since then, I think I made it my mission to transform this industry in one way or another uh, for a company and then now for uh, the coalition of the Fashion Pact with uh, 60, 60 plus CEOs. Um, where really the idea is that fashion is something that not only one, it's in our DNA because we are dictating trends. We are saying what is in and what is out in the next season. So if we dictate that in a sustainable way, there is a lot that we can change and a lot that we can do. And the second thing, which I really stays uh, very close to my heart, and um, I, I, I know it's from the former dean of the London College of Fashion in the ULAF, Frances Corner, who said that also in her book, which is fashion is such an intimate uh, a product because every morning, any person on this planet stands up, wakes up. They make a decision about what to wear. And what you wear is somehow an expression of your identity and your values. Uh, and, and so it's it's a very, very, it's, it's actually the second most intimate thing after food, right? Because food you actually take in, but fashion you wear on your, on your skin and it, you express your values. So um, it, it's a great industry to be in, and especially it's a very creative industry yes. that has the power to reimagine itself. Yeah. And I think that's what we're trying to do with the fashion industry um, today. Yeah, so exciting. And so you ended up going to Caring, um, you know, which, I mean, you know, is really, has really been at the forefront of, of, of all things sustainable. I mean, it has been such a trailblazer in, in the sustainability space. And, I mean, there are so many firsts that that Caring did and, and, and you know, and, and due to your kind of like drive, ambition, entrepreneurship. So you'd just be really, you know, lovely if you could kind of just share, you know, some of the amazing things that, you know, you, you managed to do with Caring. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I very much agree. And I think, I mean, the very, um, the very unique or unique or the very important thing in how you transform a company is leadership, right? Mm -hmm. And Caring is a, a majority family-owned company uh, by uh, François-Henri Pinault, who has a very strong vision and commitment to sustainability from the very, very early years on. And that commitment and vision enables you to do amazing things because you just have the freedom to try out things and to be bold and to be innovative and to really change things and don't go back to business as usual. And, and that was, I mean, that's inspiring. Yeah. At the same time, if you work obviously in the fashion industry, there are different ways and there's pros and cons, but I think um, uh, for the luxury industry as such, uh, having obviously a certain position in the industry, you have also the freedom to try and test some things that work, uh, that they can afford and that you basically can do in the luxury industry that you might can't do in other industries, which then doesn't mean that in, in, in on the other side, you don't have maybe the volumes that, you know, the high street brands have where you then really can put something to scale and, and implement it. But this combination of being the pioneering and even seeing it as a responsibility of the luxury industry because it is inherent in quality and qualities anyhow what you aim and thrive for in the luxury sector 
it somehow comes quite naturally that sustainability is linked to quality because it is. Yeah. Uh, the way how we actually produce our raw materials, the less chemicals we use in leather production or that leather tanning, that has a direct impact on your quality and therefore also on your sustainability. So it's a very beautiful way of, um, of combining those two, quality and sustainability in the luxury sector. Yeah, absolutely. I I I I couldn't I I couldn't agree more. And and obviously some of the I mean the brands you know are, are, I mean like Gucci and stuff are doing absolutely extraordinary things and have, have even branched out from you know you know like the the, the strict kind of planet <laughs> kind of basis into really looking at the kind of the wider ecosystem, haven't they? Really looking at kind of you know the human rights and the impact in the whole system as well. But I think that's something that. You know, we did a caring which was quite pioneering, which was the idea to not look only on your own parameters, yeah. understanding from an early stage onward that it's not only your legal boundaries that actually have the impact on the planet, but it's basically all your actions that you do within your supply chain until tier four. And taking that responsibility uh, in terms of first starting by measuring where your impact lies to then be actually more able to to direct your actions and decisions to the right ones and not start to optimize yourself. So for um, caring, um, they have this tool which is called the environmental profit and loss account, yeah. which is basically the same as if you would write a check to nature. Right. How much does it cost that I take, you know, the sun and the fresh air and the clean water? If I would need to pay for that in euros, how much would it be? And this idea to, to measure this and knowing where your impact lies, you find out that a very small portion of your impact, around you know, 6%, is in your own operations. 96 is in the supply chain. And of that, more than 50% lies in your tier four with your farmers, your cotton field providers, and the cattle farming, and so on and so forth. So that really changes your mind. And if I really want to have an impact and not just say, I'm just going to now optimize my little parameter where I basically don't have a big impact, but I really go to those areas where I do have an impact, even if they're out of, out of my reach, you know, and very far down the supply chain, that completely is a, cha a game changer. And, yeah. that, and, and I can't stress enough, like what a, a landmark moment it was when Caring adopted this. I mean, this is completely transformational kind of thinking you know, that a business is taking full responsibility for its entire footprint. And, and this is really the model that we need all businesses to, to, to adopt, which I think brings me really, really nicely onto your kind of transition to, uh, to the fashion pact uh, and imagine. So, so how, how did that come about, Eva? I think, I mean, now in hindsight, you could say that was actually what, you know, it was meant to be in that sense, at least for me, because... I always tried, and that's what I did at Caring as well. I was very much responsible for um, for developing strategies, sustainability plans, roadmaps, ideas, how the companies, the portfolio uh, companies of Caring can handle sustainability. And, you know, it's more like a mosaic carpet, right? You have very different approaches, and we did the Crafting Tomorrow's Luxury um, a, a strategy for the Caring Group with all the CEOs where we said, 
what is the approach of this brand versus this brand and how would it need to be different? Because that's also what I said before. Sustainability is not a one size fits all kind of approach. You need to have a very unique approach to it and really fight your battles and choose your battles that you want to fight because you can't fight them all at the same time. And so coming from, you know, this 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 uh, task to actually uh, put that up for this portfolio of the caring brand somehow, um, uh, it was my pleasure and honor to be engaged in this new project where um, uh, the French president Emmanuel Macron was giving the mandate to François Ripinot um, with the support and initiation of Paul Pullman to, um, to, to set up a group of courageous CEOs that want to transform the industry by knowing that one, it takes their leadership, two, it takes all of them, it takes a collective to really change, and three, that we need to go further faster. And we can't actually do as we did uh, as we have done so far because we don't have the desired impact. And so it's the first, it's a historic coalition in the sense that those CEOs never came together, not only on the topic of sustainability, but also working together. We are now like more never, than right? <laughs> I mean, like, like some of these, I mean, let's face it. I mean, some of these houses were quite arch rivals. I mean, they didn't really talk to each other, right? But that's the beauty of sustainability because sustainability is not about competition in that sense because we all live on the same planet. I mean strictly speaking and literally speaking. So, you know, there's so many things that we can share and we can do together. And there's so many beautiful things that are already done in the individual companies, yes. but somehow it doesn't add up. Somehow we don't have the desired impact because there are things that we only can do together. We need the collective to change this industry. And, um, and that's what we're trying to do with the fashion pack. Very concretely, we're trying to, um, we're trying to work together in order to, you know, achieve things that we need to achieve faster. And that's really what is the mandate. And that's, um, that's what we've been doing for the past uh, more than a, more, more than a, a year now. Yeah. Yeah. And you have some very concrete goals, don't you? I mean, you know, and, and I mean, these, these are, these are really kind of, you're starting off with the really, really the kind of planet stuff, aren't you? You know, yeah. cause that's, that's really kind of, you know, where needs emergency <laughs> intervention. Yeah, I mean, again, the, the fashion pact is structured around three pillars, which is biodiversity, climate and ocean. And that is aligned with the G7 um, agenda that was set by the French president Emmanuel Macron because um, France was hosting the G7 back in uh, 2019. And so the idea was really to find solutions. What can we as a collective do in these three areas? And so now we define one common agenda with very clear global commitments for all of the CEOs in the, in the coalition, seven very concrete targets that we need to move together faster in order to be able to achieve these global commitments. Um, and, 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 and then very concrete joint actions where we say, okay, where can we join forces? Where does it make sense that we can work together um, to accelerate that? And, um, um, and that's what we're doing right now. So uh, with a strong leadership from CEOs. So that's the, the idea, right? So it was, it's, it's a coalition done by CEOs for CEOs, basically, right? And basically, I'm only here to hold that space, right? I'm here in the secretariat. She says very modestly, but, but, but really is such an inspiring and kind of leading light in all of this. And I mean, the collection of CEOs you've got is, is I mean, it's amazing. I mean, it, it's, you know, everyone through Chanel, Nike, I, I mean... <laughs> 
it, it is an extraordinary kind of list of, 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 of companies and CEOs who are coming together here, isn't it? Yeah, but that was also, I mean, the idea of the fashion pack is that you need to work together along the value chain. So we have brands in there and we have high street brands and we have luxury brands and we have sport brands, but we also have retailers and we have um, manufacturers in our, because you need to all work together. Again, it's not something where only one group can work uh, isolated on it. You need to actually have the whole value chain in a room around a table and work together in order to find solutions to these big and challenging questions that we have to ask ourselves today to tackle the problem yeah and and where can people go if they want to find out about the fashion pack you've got you've got a a, a website haven't you so yeah. if people want to find out who the companies are doing these amazing things where do, where do they go over absolutely there's the fashionpack.org um website um and you will find some testimonies of our ceos speaking up on behalf of the collective, not for themselves, but really for all the other CEOs and really explaining how they work together in order to drive change um, and, and finding our common goals, our commitments, our actions um, uh, also on the website. I mean, for the time being, honestly, the idea is to work to get, you know, I, you know, everyone probably is tired of yet another target coalition or whatever. So the idea really here is to, to act to get things done. Um, and, and that's really what, what we're aiming for, um, to start working together. Again, it's a historic collision. It's never been done before, but find those wide spots where the companies can chime forces and move things together. And, and, and that's a very exciting moment. So 2021 for us is really under that light of you know starting this collaboration seeing where we can work together we have um an amazing project right now running on um uh, with an innovation scouting agency which helps us to look into alternative for plastic what can we do we all know that we want to eliminate harmful plastic and unnecessary plastic but how what is the alternative and is there not one idea that you can work together by saying you know this is actually the solution and this is really how you can scale it it's also the coalition the first time that biodiversity was put so high on the agenda. And we all know biodiversity is such a key element. It's about exactly that diverse diversity that we need in order to keep that planet up and running, if you want. And so, um, uh, to my knowledge, there's never been any other industry that made such a strong commitment on biodiversity. And we're very lucky to have been granted an um, um, external fund by the global environmental facilities of $2 million that will help our members and support them to all define a similar or same footprint approach definitions to work on the same targets and topics in order to accelerate that because we don't have time, right? But it's a highly complex topic, but we don't have time to actually reiterate and to turn in circles. So we really need to collaborate on this one um, in order to, to make a move. So we've come to really neatly to, to, to that point where we're talking about collaboration and, you know, we have listeners, you know, from all over the world who care very deeply about, you know, the fashion industry, who also care about climate change and biodiversity. So, I mean, you know, if, what are the practical steps that kind of each and every one of us can do to actually help and, and start something? Okay. Yeah, I think it's a good question, Sarah, because I, I completely understand that, that sometimes it's overwhelming, right, especially in sustainability, because where do you start, right, and what do you do first, and how do you actually make sure that you still 
can live your life in a way that you like, but at the same time, actually take care of the planet. But with fashion, you know, again, it's such a great industry because every one of us owns fashion and, you know, every one of us makes that decision. I don't know if anyone did um, that exercise, but I actually um, uh, did it uh, quite recently to count how many pieces you have in your wardrobe and how many of them you actually wear. Uh, and and it's it's I don't know for myself it was shocking you know because there's really a small part of the clothes that I have in my wardrobe that I actually wear, and just going through that exercise you find things that you actually want to wear again you know and yep. it's exactly about this consciousness about fashion to first of all also demand this consciousness in fashion right um, it's a huge uh, influence that we have as consumers. To, to express our values and what we want. And we see that so much, you know, there's a young generation that more and more sees sustainability as a prerequisite, something that is naturally to be in the values of a company. And if it's not, they really refrain from, um, you know, buying these uh, products. And so that's something where we have a very direct impact, but also just being more conscious about how we use clothes. And I always call it, it's this emotional relationship that we actually have with clothes. I don't know, is it a jacket that you wear I don't know for a special occasion or is it something that you have been given by someone that you really love and and that 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 makes clothes so wonderful and emotional it's not just you know the newest piece in the wardrobe and and there there's a lot of things actually that are so beautiful and in 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 wearing things more often building up again this emotional uh, emotional relationship to our wardrobe Oh, Ava, my goodness, the time has flown by. Thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing kind of your story and, 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 and your inspiration with us. Um, it's been such a joy and a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah. My pleasure for having me. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.